Parth, the Coherence Coaching Guru, thank you for coming on the Healthy Indian Podcast, episode 71. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, um, or whatever episode this may be when we upload it. But uh, yeah, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of gems you will offer. And I really think that having you on will give people a very artistic and a fun and lighthearted way to use laughter almost to, um, you know, take over their mind and just know that life is not so complicated. There's always ways to get to the the happiness and to kind of conquer whatever's uh, battles or hardships they're dealing with. So thank you for coming on my mental health podcast for fitness and definitely let's jump into the subconscious mind of Parth, the coherence coach. So. Well, Umang, thank you. I'm so humbled. We are all works in process, you know, and in progress and just great to be here. Um, also, just really want to acknowledge you. I actually had the opportunity to check out the last four of your episodes, and um, hey. really, really awesome. Yeah, you know, we gotta like. I, I wanted to make it a point last night to like geek out on your episodes last night, and I was, you know, just to get your vibe, right? So, just kudos to you. Keep going. You're doing great. Thank you, man. It's been a long journey. Come ahead, and you know, just one of those things where I'm learning as I'm going, and as a creator and as a podcaster. It's, you're in a, you're, you know, if you, I take it one day at a time, but it means a lot to me. So thank you. And thanks again for coming on the Healthy Indian Podcast. Um, so one of the things I, and I also geeked out over some of your videos too, and they're very cheerful. So, you know, I just, I, I found that uh, as a thing. So uh, w- could you tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, some of your methods towards coherence coaching, such as hypnotherapy? Well, how, how do you go about that? And um, I thought that was really cool last time we talked. So Maybe you could mention it on this podcast too, because I think that was super sick. Sure. Awesome. Um, so a lot of my work combines, I would say, the following three to four uh, principles or aspects. One is neuro-linguistic programming. So I can share basically what that is in a very nutshell for everyone. Um, so for those of you who are all engineers, you're familiar with natural language processing, Right. So natural language processing is a composite of three things. I mean, according to Wikipedia, at least it's linguistics, computer science, and artificial intelligence. So the linguistics part, consider neural linguistic programming, the NLP behind the NLP. So it looks at how language is utilized, how it impacts us neurologically, uh, physiologically, and then how it also shapes the way that we look at the world. Right. So that's NLP um, and looks at kind of cool ways to use language to basically to support healing in others and then also for ourselves on a day to day level. Um, and then hypnotherapy is it's funny because when I was first introduced to hypnotherapy or learning it as a study, you know, I always thought hypnotherapy means um, like a like a hypnotist. That means like some person giving away their freedom, sitting, you know, standing on a platform or on a stage clucking like a chicken and then like waking up and going, Oh, I don't know what I did. And everyone laughing at them. Right. Like that was kind of my view of, <laughs> of hypnosis, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, and coming from, you know, kind of a Desi background, right. And also from Jersey is like, Oh, you're not going to get my brain. Like, Oh, you want to stay back. Yep. You know, so, so kind of having that, that sense too. But what it really combines is so therapy, which is basically different modalities of healing and releasing trauma. And then, 
um, hypnosis, which is essentially leading someone into deep states of relaxation. So tones are really important, you know, creating safety, allowing someone to kind of go there and, and get into a certain space. And then they share various things um, as a product of different cues that we provide them and it's all recorded. And then the client and I, then we unpack kind of what they shared. They're like, wow, I didn't know I was showing up that way. I didn't know that came through to me, you know, and, and we help integrate and then apply. So it's an open hypnotherapy. Um, I also look at the, so I'm in a couple of years ago, I got trained in yin yoga. Yin yoga is uh, it was like maybe 50 to 75 hour kind of certification. And the big thing is with yin yoga is often we're utilizing a lot of our yang energy, like a lot of the cerebral problem solving, you know, results producing energy, which we need. Then of course we know yin, right? Which is more restorative, more allowing. It drives the yang nuts because you're like, this is a waste of time. Like, I don't want to say, <laughs> stare at the law, daydreaming, that's a waste of time. Show me the money, you know, like Jersey, right? So, <laughs> you know, but yin yoga is really about like floor poses and opening up a lot of spinal work. So anyway, I always say you got to yin it to win it. <laughs> These little yin it to win it. That's a good one. You know, Yang Fine. gives you a bang, but you got to yin it to win it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and so that opened up, and I mentioned that because of meridian lines. So combining an understanding of how our meridian lines operate, along with how trauma is infused into the body, you know, and without releasing it, it just kind of adds up. You know, and that can add up in forms of weight, in forms of all sorts of different things. But it comes out some way or another, right? From some realm or another, it'll, it'll come out some, it'll manifest some way, right? Exactly. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. And uh, I guess like do, uh, when, when you do hypnotherapy on people, do they have different emotions on their face? Maybe like anger, crying, sadness. It like varies on the individual, right? I believe. Or it varies on the individual and the work that I do right now. So we were trained in a lot of different things, but right now in my current 12 week program, we do what is work around limiting beliefs. So the right. premise here is, and, and the other cool thing about how I was trained um, was the subconscious mind. I'm going to throw in some like concepts here and there, you know, for everyone be like, Oh, that, Oh, that, you know, and just let the seeds drop, right? Like there's just be like, Oh, I remember that now. And you're going to make connections. So the subconscious mind is always operating at the level of an eight year old, you know? And I think this is alluding to what you were, what we were sharing before about planets and orbits, right. In a way. So yes. as an eight year old, the first eight to 12 years of our formative early development. So, um, comprises of the following two or three major steps. So usually the first five, six, seven, eight years, the, the big job for a baby is to not die. <laughs> the way a baby <laughs> doesn't die is that we match, yeah. mimic, and mirror our caretakers, right? So we match, mirror, and, and, and kind of mirror, match, and mimic. Yeah, look up to the people who raise us or are in our lives, right? So we can well, either like like them or not yeah yeah and as a six-year-old five-year-old we're not processing i want to be like you it's more like oh do i match can i match umong who's my dad's facial expressions and you know can i can i mold myself around him so he doesn't leave me and abandon me and because i gotta eat next and i need someone to like right so like as a four or five-year-old you're kind of processing things this way 
Now, right. every moment or every um, these imprints have. Uh, so, yeah, part the continuing this conversation, uh, you're talking about the mind of an eight year old and how we uh, try to match the energy of our, you know, our role models, our parents, um, et cetera. So continue with that, uh, the statement you were making. Exactly. Like the young Umang and the young, like little Umang, little Parth, right? Little, all of the people in the audience, when we were small, kind of the design of a baby is to not die, so survive. And so our survival strategies are three things, matching, mirroring, and mimicking. And that's why, so when we extrapolate that out in the trauma world is we call it our inherited woundology because we adopt and adapt the things that our role models did or didn't do. Right. And right. so we may find ourselves maybe in relationship playing out passive aggressive patterns from our parents because that's just what we knew. And so in the client, in our client journey with clients is we actually using kind of hypnotherapy, which is very light states of relaxation and some cues is within a 45 minute to like a one hour period. What we're able to do is we're able to take the neural mapping. It's going to sound interesting. You may have follow-up questions. I don't want to take us down a rabbit hole, but this is really fascinating. I can share it this way. Is we take the neural mapping. Go for it. Cool. Yeah. Is that we take the neural mapping of that belief. So we try to identify it at an eight-year-old. So I was sharing with you earlier that the coaching I do is around performance. So what do people want to perform on? You know, they want to get the job. They want to give that speech. They want to make that presentation. They want to get that raise, whatever that thing is. Now, if they feel comfortable in that arena, great, go for it, right? Like you clearly what you've been doing before in the last situation is working. So keep going. But maybe people want to up level themselves, right? So they're like, hey, I want to strive for something that I've never strived before. In that moment, that limiting belief comes, right? It's like if you're wanting to ask someone out on a date who you think is out of your league, there's that limiting belief. That's like, I don't know, I don't know, and it checks us out. So that has a neural patterning. So what we do is we take that patterning and we map it onto a belief. And again, this is through process I'm describing it. We map that onto the neural patterning of something that was once true, but no longer true. So you were once four feet tall. Well, when you were four feet, one centimeter, guess what? <laughs> that was never going to be true ever again. But when you were, that was true. You were in fifth grade. For me, I owned a Honda Civic. When I was a Honda Civic owner and a two-door and a lowrider, I was like, I'm a Honda Civic owner, Jersey, yeah, Edison, Avenel, you know? But then it broke down and I had to change it. So we map it onto something that was once true, no longer true. Then we create a desired belief that if that, if in that moment, you know, Umang who was young, like eight or nine years old or seven years old or something, and instead of that, if we could turn that ouchie upside down, right? That eight-year-old ouchie, right? And we could say, hey, what did Umang really want to do? And then we map that onto a neural patterning of something that you know to be true. That will never change. So an example could be even after when you're 90 years old, will you stop being a son? No. So that itself is a neural patterning. That the the confidence in that reality that is so embedded in your identity that is so part of the foundation of how you operate has a neural patterning and so then when we can can, can associate that with something that we now want to create to be true at that level the grip of that old kind of limiting belief in a way releases 
And the way that this kind of plays out is, um, again, performance. So the folks who want to up-level their performance, maybe the, the adult version of something's wrong with me or I'm not good enough is if I up my charges as, I had to deal with this too. If I up my charges as a coach, will people pay me? You know, who's going to pay me if I'm going to do, you know, if I, you know, increase my charges or if I ask my boss for a 10% raise, which the normal is like 3.5, he's going to say, yeah, my office, <laughs> you know, but I know I put in the work, but you know what? You shoot for the moon, you land on the stars. You ask for 10, maybe you'll get six, but who asked for 10? So, you know, when you can release that, so the whole imposter syndrome, all of that stuff that is like built from the seeds of this, that starts loosening. So when that's gone. And for viewers who are new to, I guess, imposter syndrome because they're maybe younger and they don't even know what it is. It's basically the fear of like, you know, you're not good enough. The fear of you can't attain something because of you don't like just for no reason. Like you don't feel like you need to do it. You're maybe you're on the right place in life. Like let's say you graduate college, you have the degree, but you don't feel like you're an engineer or a doctor, a lawyer or wherever you are. Right. Like it's almost like the fact that you achieve something awesome or great but you don't feel good enough that you deserve it. Like me, it just, it's like an internal thing. It's an internalization. Um, but tell me if I'm wrong Parth. I think that's what it is, right? You're absolutely right. And what happens is, is the imposter syndrome is basically a byproduct of things that we swang. Like we swang in places in life, right? Maybe we swang in a relationship. Maybe we swang in a job. Maybe we swang in whatever. And it, and it didn't turn out the way we wanted. Right. And then right. we, then that creates this, it feeds the fire of something's wrong with me, feeds the fire of, you know, I don't know if I want to look like a fool the next time I try this, I better I not try it, you know, <laughs> or if I try it, then, you know, um, who am I to try it? You know, like, <laughs> we start like, we start shrinking. So the minute we feel that, that shrinking feeling, whatever that is, that's imposter syndrome, but that's a byproduct of that grip. So when we release the grip, then a lot of energy starts um, coming back to us, you know, and then in a, in a very intentional container that's created by a coach or a therapist or a community, even we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, the power of a mastermind, we start elevating, you know, and our temperature level in life starts kind of up leveling. So. No, it's definitely a very interesting part. And I definitely feel like Imposter syndrome almost is very draining and almost like lets people like stop them from happiness. Right. And everybody wants to attain happiness, but it's almost like when you have imposter syndrome, you're almost self-sabotaging your own progress and your own thoughts and you you have negative thoughts and from negative thoughts, you don't, you don't ever come out of it and it's overthinking and stuff. So Definitely like one of those things where like, how do you coach your clients who do have an imposter syndrome or a mental issue? Um, how do you coach them through it? Because everybody's case is different. Everybody has their own traumas, um, life hardships. How do you, how do you, uh, I guess, uh, uh, tackle a client that's going through those uh, situations? Um, so one is after, by the time that we're, so it's a 12 week program. So by the time that we're at week five, we've gone through that first session. And then what we do is, so 
and I'll share, uh, let me share with you my process, but also think from a place in all of you that you can apply this stuff. Like what I'm about to share with you can actually apply, right? So oh, think, about, think about how you can actually adapt this to your own way. So I'm going to give you what I do with clients and you can break it down, deconstruct it and create your own version, right? Because sure. I think like this stuff's got to make sense, right? So, so what I do is I ask them, and here's a very, the subconscious mind is an eight-year-old, right? It doesn't process negative predicates in a sentence. So for instance, if you say you want to be debt-free, it doesn't cognize the free part. It's I debt, I debt, I debt, I debt. So what I would do is you consider, so, and the other, other, the other piece just to note is we often think the thing that we're running after, or the thing that we want to acquire is going to make us feel a certain way, you know, and it has its feeling. I mean, it has its merit. I mean, we want things, we, you know, there's a value for how we feel when we have that. Absolutely. Right. So I don't want to take that away. This is a human, right? We, we are, we are deserving and worthy of having things. And here's what I would suggest is when you have that thing, ask yourself, how am I going to feel when I have that thing? So it could be a vacation. It could be whatever it is. So you can say, I am at peace or I'm confident. So we work with the client and say, well, when you have that thing, how are you going to feel? You know, and there's some clients I've, I've worked with, um, clients who have been in relationships, clients who are single, guys, you know, who wanted to be in a relationship, you know, women who are like, I want to call in the one, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a kind of, I mean, we're all dealing with like, this is human. We all want love. We all want everything, right? So ask them, well, how do you want to feel? So three things you want to identify is when you have that thing, what's it going to look like? How's it going to feel? Um, are there any sounds associated with it that you hear when you have that? Are there any smells associated with it when you have that? So um, I was working with this one uh, really good friend um, and I, looking for a relationship, right? And, I said, and uh, he's looking for someone. I said, well, when you hold her, like when you hold her in your arms, like how do you, can you describe it? Can you paint me a frame? And he was like, I smell I was like, we you know there's, there's something about like women's shampoo, you know, you smell that, you know, sorry for everyone, you know, this is a real talk here, you know, you're like, wow, it smells like a girl, right? Like, I mean, she prescribed it heteronormative, you know, narrative of life. And I was like, well, how is it going to feel? He's like, wow, her hair smells like blossoms. And when I, when I hold her, I feel good helping her feel secure. It's like, great. That's the feeling we want. So then we say, I am feeling proud and secure being with my partner wow that's powerful man it's it's comforting almost you know power secure and powerful you know so so then what happens is when you're being when umang is being when parth is being proud and secure guess what we're attracting someone who is resonant with that frequency yes absolutely so we think often it's do be have or do have be we're going to do things so we can have some things so we're going to be something but at the physiological level of feeling and energy we're putting out it's actually be do have you do you know? feel like sometimes it's sometimes like you know when they say like you can't explain in words like why you like someone but it's almost like your own energies just match like you know like you could have every little thing on the paper right but when they say like you, fit, you find the right person, it's, your energy is just like a perfect match with theirs. And it's almost like 
yin and yang, right? To go back to what you said earlier, like koi fish is just like synchrony all the time and it's effortless. Um, so, you know, but there's definitely effort in a relationship, but you know, it's effortless just to, I guess, love them. Right. So that's really cool. Um, so also I always want to know this, where do you get your energy from and your drive to become a coherence coach? Cause <laughs> you have a lot of funny puns, you know, like ouchies and different things that you say. And it's really interesting to gauge that. So where, where does that come from? It's like, like funny yet charming charisma. Right. So where does that come from? Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. It comes from like you, cause I saw your, uh, your reel. Can I share it? I would love to share it. Go for it. <laughs> it's, just, sure. it's just like so good. Like I, this, this really resonated with me today. Um, it was about uh, one second. Let me just pull it up. But where'd it go? But uh, top ten. Na, 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 na. I'm trying to find it. It's somewhere here. Would you brush your teeth with a fork? So I, th- I, I thought that I thought this was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you got a kick out of that one <laughs> i thought that was hilarious because sometimes like doing too much or just realigning and stuff so i was like like part that's a lot of energy how does how does, how does where does that come from right and that was like my thought process when i wrote down that question i was like where does he get his energy from right because sometimes yeah like you know not everyone has that drive that's always gonna keep coming back you know so what's the story behind that <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. A um, couple things. I mean, there's some mental ways of kind of approaches of life. So I can start there. And then there's some actual physical practices that really help keep my energy level up throughout the day. Um, mental processes is, to be honest, like going down the rabbit hole of self-development work, you know, was as challenging as it was. And there, you know, you kind of you go through different spaces because you're really, you're dealing with yourself. You're dealing with your shadow. And I'm happy to share with you and the audience the different spaces that I invested in, you know, um, that got me really to see how much of this, the, the voices in my head are me and how much of them are right. actually me, you know, and how much for these voices that are in my head, are they paying me rent to stay in my head? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, they're not. And I let them hijack, you know? And, and so I think going down like uh, self-development work was really, really helpful. Um, I also, yeah, another mental framework was, I mean, I've definitely made mistakes in life, you know? And I, when I look at it back that way, I've definitely created yeah. harm. You know, I've definitely, I've certainly had things that I've done that, you know, have has created and I've lived many lots of different interesting lives and you know and swang and just didn't hit the ball but had everything else you know along the way and and that's life and I think that I had to one learn to forgive myself for that um there's one of the questions you asked earlier you know which is like what are those things and and this is actually you know I I have a number of different tips and things like that too that in preparation for today's call um for how to start a coherence practice but the thing that, and I'm giving the bonus up now, right? But um, it's had to really forgive myself, you know? And, uh, you know, I've hurt. I'm, I mean, I've certainly 
uh, what's the word, like made a huge difference for different people. I've been a, a leader in the Jane community for a long time and led numerous workshops and all those things. And, you know, there are those people that we know we've heard, you know, that, oh man, I, I wish I could have made that choice better. Or, oh man, like, right. And, and I think the ability to forgive ourselves is huge, you know, and I think the ability to find people who are going to just, I call them like your angels in life, you know, who are like, Hey man, like, can you let that go? Like, can you let that go? You know, and can hold you in that. It's been so huge. Um, in the last several years, I really delved into men's work, you know, and I'm an only child. So I kind of didn't have certain emotional, like, um, I, I feel like I emotionally grew up later in life than other people, you know, have siblings because I didn't know how to, you know, just only child, everything is all you have is you. So, um, these last several years getting into like men's work, which then allowed me to get more in touch with my emotional self, um, was huge. So I also, also with clients, I'll say, you know, we have to, Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, did you grow up as a emotional child or were you like not that emotional and then you found your emotional self? I was just just trying to intersect because yeah. you said emotion you found your emotional self. So I was wondering were you not emotional like growing up or were you? It's a great question. I think I was um I was always emotionally sensitive and I was always empathic. Gotcha. I would always feel things a lot. Um and then I would gotcha. wonder why do I like I don't belong from this place, kind of this feeling of a misfit. I mean, gotcha. I even remember having my first suicidal ideation moment, you know, at six years oh. old, like going, I just want to jump in this lake and end it. Like, why am I here? <laughs> this is too hard. You know, this is like way too hard. And also prior to being six, I came to the US when I was four from India, you know, and I had a lisp, I had a stutter, I couldn't speak any English, you know, and in all of these different you came a long way by the way that's that's insane i can't even like think of you at, like stuttering and lisp like i can't even think of that and the <laughs> fact that you you're well spoken it like shows like you definitely did work on it man so you should be proud of yourself thank you you know and i went to speech pathology speech pathology classes you know for three years i remember um jim carrey was like a huge comedian you know when i was kind of up yeah. like right in the 80s 90s and i remember watching a jim carrey movie and like looking at myself in the mirror and like smiling and like how what does my smile look like like does my smile match <laughs> the smile of all the other kids because i don't want to look like the idiot you know and like but i remember like these are the things that we do right as like young people our younger selves to fit in you know and so i i, I mean I'll, I'll complete i'll pause in a moment and then we can move on but finding people with whom you can get real about these things be like hey man tell me about your 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 trauma man tell me about like that struggle what was it like when you got picked on what was that you know and you can come together and release that you know um i used to have a crying quota like literally once every week i had to cry like for 15 minutes and cry meaning like it didn't have to i mean it could be jarred or triggered by a rom-com it could be you know it could be an emotional trigger or i'm cutting onions you know and i'm just like I need to cry because the energy that we feel as beings that are having a human experience in the form of emotions that are trapped in our body are stuck there. And so we've got to get it out. Um, it's yeah, also I, conditioning. I feel like it's also conditioning too. Like just like that experiment, like little Albert, um, you know, like he was like a little baby and like they literally took away. Um, he had, he had an association with pets and then once they like, you know, associated a sound with that pet, it was almost like the baby was scared of like touching pets. So it's almost like our environment and growing up as like, you know, should I be part of the, this group or just being bullied or in general, just not being, 
I guess, caught on to like society's norms makes us feel some type of way and therefore our future selves suffer or our developmental selves. But then we find each other when you find like like-minded people like you and I, and then you can have like a more uh, respectful and accepted conversation versus somebody that's like, you're not on the same frequency or energy as you would say, right? So um, no, I appreciate that. But continue what you're saying. If um, Well, I think the last thing it's like, I think with this journey of, I mean, my own journey of coaching, working with people, um, I also provide like financial, free financial education and literacy workshops every Tuesday for our community, you know, and working with people around their energy around this I'm very right. sensitive topic around money, right? Is it's funny. I feel like the older I'm becoming in a way, like the more basic I'm becoming like, man, you must've had, you look like you had a hard day. What was your day? Like, like all of us have a hard day. I mean, just to be asking someone that question, just to be asked that question, like these are little things that mean so much, you know? Um, and I think it's important also, last thing I'll say is to really honor my needs. Like there are times where I'm feeling alone or I'm feeling isolated or I'm feeling um, like whatever it is that I'm doing is not working, you know? And I, I, and I know there's a part of me that's like, you just got to keep going, bro. You got to keep going. You don't know when the exit is off the, off the highway. We got to keep going. Even that takes something. Maybe I need to call and call a friend and be like, yo, man, I'm having a bad day today. Like, I just need to, I need to pick me up. Tell me something, tell me something that, that you're inspired about me. Now that takes something to ask for. <laughs> I was just about to say that as guys, and I'm not trying to put down women, but as guys, we always go off the route of making fun of each other or making fun of just the situation or updating each other on like some type of thing. But we never ask each other how we're feeling at the end of the day. And even like I have friends and relatives that like I used to ask those questions to, but like it's harder and harder. And it's just, it might just be age and just kind of time, but you know, it, it's one of those things I feel like that needs to be talked about. Right. And it's okay to just, you know, just ask for like a emotional eval, right? Like, just like, Hey, like I'm having a shitty day, bro. Why am I feeling like this? It's, it's been fucking hell, you know? So. Yeah, you know, and sometimes, like, I think we're so in the thick of the feeling, it's hard to name it, right? You know, when you're in the thick of, like, a, uh, it's just the day's been heavy on you. And someone's like, hey, Umang, how are you feeling about today? You're like, <laughs> I just want to crash in my bed, man. Like, can't you feel? I look down, I'm exhausted, you know? But then if we can ask, like, your day must, it seems like your day was hard, huh? You know, or what was really hard about your day to day? Yeah, you know, that, he, that, the way you ask, right? This is what you're saying. Yeah. And then we often sometimes I think, and I do this too, right? It's like to ask so like I feel better about someone else's pain because I don't want to feel their discomfort. So then I'm like, how's your day? Well, it was, well, here's what I would do if I were you. Because <laughs> I don't want to feel a discomfort versus um, how's your day? Like, it must have been hard, huh? And then usually what's wild is the person will switch the topic. They'll go, oh, no, no, no. I'd be like, no, no. I actually asked you how it was. And I really wanted to wait until, you know, to really hear your answer. Blows people's minds away. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, damn, who is this guy? Why is he asking me this? But it's more so you're coming from a place of caring. But it's like, it's almost like they're just not used to that kind of like, care of an answer so they just don't want to 
You know, it's like, it's, it's like backwards. It's like, like I said, it goes back to conditioning. I feel like people have been taught in society to like put away negative thoughts. And then just like when they're confronted about those negative thoughts, even from a place of care, they handle it so negatively. Like, for example, like what you went through, like you just avoided it. But a normal person that has not, not even normal, I'll take that back. Someone that can just be like, oh, that's such a good thing that you asked. Like I've been having a crappy day and sometimes it's so easy to open up to a stranger. Like I've had conversations with homeless people in New York when I was in college. I've had like conversations with the most random people when I was traveling Europe. Like, you know, just things, sorry, not Europe. I like brain farted right now, um, Costa Rica. And it was like interesting to just like, you know, just let your heart out. Cause it's just like, there's no, like, he'll never like tell anyone my secrets, vice versa. Um, but what, what, I guess when it comes to mental advice, do you, do you have for people looking to start their own current coherence coaching practice? Cause it seems like it's a road where if you don't have the drive, the energy and the mindset for it, it can be a really tough road to, uh, you know, give other people advice. Cause I feel like you need to have a certain level of experiences and hardships and overcome successes to really help someone else out. Right. Um, as a coherence coach, and I'm sure the mental health part of it and the mental battle is definitely uh, a challenging one, right. To face. So, Great. Um, I would, I will answer, uh, I would like to respond maybe in five ways. Um, cause I really uh -huh. thought about like how to break this up and we love bullet points. Um, right. And so one is I would say invest in yourself and in learning environments. So what advice is you've got in order to, whenever someone is choosing to go down any kind of path of like, I want to be a therapist or I want to be a coach or here working with people at that deep level you have to do that on your own first, right? So it's really important to invest in yourself, you know, and invest in different learning environments. Um, like I myself, I've probably been in the self-development space probably for 14 years and um, I've probably spent over $15,000 in my own personal training and development. Wait, that's awesome, man. Congrats to you. Not, not everyone, most people would not do that because they're just scared to you know, I feel like we would spend more money on smoking vapes or cigarettes than doing that. Right. Like to be honest with you, I mean, each vape, you know, each vapes 20 bucks, you know, and that's going to last what two and a half weeks, you know, it's real. I mean, I get it. Right. And, but the thing it's is, that. I think was when you're don't worry about, oh, I'll have to spend this much or that much. Exactly. If you do, if you do what everyone else does, you're going to have what everyone else has. And if that's what we want, not, and it, I don't think it's like a, this or a that it's a, I want that. And I also want this. So life is kind of a both end situation and you have to invest in yourself. I, um, like I, uh, was part of an organization and I, I can even share three, at least modalities or toolboxes that work for me. One organization that I have been part of, um, not as active recently, but it's called landmark education. They have centers all around the country. There's a center in South Plainfield, in fact, in New Jersey centers in New York centers in like 30 different uh, states, even in India. Um, and once you go through their foundational programs, and I don't know if it's the same now, but I used to be a volunteer coach where we would travel to different cities on our own dime and go through training on weekends with like three, four, five thousand other coaches that are someone who 
And you don't know who these individuals are. They're not, you know, maybe maybe it's someone who is a, an executive of Pets, at PepsiCo who's like, hey, I have time on my hands and I want to do this on the side. And I just do that for money. You know, the kinds of people you'll meet is incredible. You know, I've done Tony Robbins, um, even my certification for neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, which takes you back to this actually lifetime and could even take you back past another conversation. But clients will go back there. That training was about $5,000 or actually 3500 um, because three of us took it together. Um, so you wow. invest in your training and in in, in learning environments. Um, so that's one. Uh, two is I would say align yourself with others who have a higher temperature level than you. <laughs> you know, so we all, there's a... Um, there's a quote, I forget, it's, uh, I forgot what's it. but there's a theory that whenever you're part of a certain community, everybody will relegate down to the medium, like in terms of what our capacity is, you know, and what kinds of conversations we entertain and what we're about um, and what we prioritize and value. And so when you're in environments with people who are operating at a higher frequency or a different frequency, not that they're perfect, but you're just like, hey, I really like that and I don't like that. I really want to learn that. And I don't want to learn that. Like you get to say, right? Like every student gets to say. Um, so that's another, you know, is like hanging out with people who are in those higher temperature environments. Um, I also learned this is um, that we're, we're not entitled to another person's yep. expertise. <laughs> you have to earn it. Yep. <laughs> you know, you have to really earn it. And even the people who are giving things away for free, they had to develop themselves to a level of expertise invested in their learning so they can provide this for free for someone for whom this is a foreign conversation. You know, it's like the first day of school, you could hate your teacher. But your teacher went through, your teacher's still paying off debt. <laughs> teacher ass. And everybody else is asking that in that classroom, right? Like you, and you have a right to hate your teacher and you can grumble, grumble, grumble. But like they're, they're doing this for you. You know, and so I think that's another like piece of it is um, like, like find those people who are operating at that temperature level. And then you may find a few who are willing to open up their kimono as you earn it, you know, and say, hey, let me introduce you to these three other people. Let me introduce you to this one other person, you know, Bring unity the, almost, right? Yeah. And you never know like what you have to earn because um, I mean, I'll share with you at least a few examples where. You know, maybe an older mentor test me, you know, do this part, do this for a certain period of time. It wasn't about the thing, me doing it. It was about, can I, can I sur not surrender, like as in relinquish my sovereign choice, but can I just do what this coach is telling me to do? <laughs> like, <can> I, yeah. <laughs> just like, like, do I have enough? So he's testing, you know, older people will test your humility. I say, Hey, you know, wax on wax on, do this. You might think it's boring, but they're saying, can you last? You know, what are you getting out of this? And then they're going to help you process. And when you process and integrate, you will lift off, you know, um, because you earn their trust. Does that make sense? No, um, it definitely does. It definitely does. I, I really appreciate that. I know you have a lot to say, so I just wanted to make sure that I gave you enough time. Um, no, thank you, Parth. I, I really appreciate that. And no, I definitely think like, you know, you finding the right knowledge and in, 
things that make you a better person at what you do is very important. And I feel like, you know, money is just a thing. It's just monetary. It has no real value besides giving you the tools you need. And I guess you using it for your coherence coaching and self-development is the right move. Um, you know, cause you use it for the tools you needed to be a, you know, coherence coach, coherence coach. So, um, you know, I think that was the right move. And, you know, it, I, I saw a reel that you posted, but I keep forgetting what it was. It was with save time and use spend money or it was something about that kind of reel. I, I completely forgot what it was, but I really liked that reel. And, um, you know, I, I personally want to use my time wisely and then spend the money, right? Because you, you can spend money on anything nowadays, but if you uh, use your time wisely and then you you know, spend later, you will be able to enjoy life and, you know, just do the things you need to do. Uh, not to say you shouldn't spend money now, but I'm just saying like everyone has time. And I, the way I took it or interpreted it was like time is precious. So invest in yourself before you invest in garbage. Right. So that's how I, and it's kind of it. like this, if I were to tell you, and you know, I, and I've given, I've been a speaker at number of different spaces, 200 to a few thousand. And you know, you always want to start off with a kind of a, a, yeah. a, a something, right? So if I were to tell you, hey, here's my cell phone. Would you pay me? I'll sell you my cell phone for $10,000. Would you pay me $10,000 for my cell phone? No. Okay. Let me ask you two questions. Would you say yes, no, or tell me more? Why? I'll be like, yeah, tell me more. Why? Like, wh so why 10? So now what's a wild is so in an audience, right? Say, and this is the, this is what separates the, uh, this is kind of what separates the employee from the investor in a way is you ask, I'll sell you my cell phone for $10,000. Who says yes? Who says no? So let's say you said no, right? Great. All you know, people, you're out of the next round. Cool. Um, who says uh, who didn't say no? Great. So then someone says, okay, what, what else do you want to know? Well, why would I pay you $10,000? Right? Now, if I say in this phone, I have, um, I have Tony Robbins. I have a uh, vision, you know, vision, vision, Lock County from mind Valley, good buddy of mine. You know, there's a guy you guys all may know. His name is Jay. You know, he goes by Jay Shetty. He's like this Buddhist monk, you know, guy right from like Europe, right? We've been friends for a long time. Like, and it's like that. I've got about 15, I've got about 20 contacts in here that could probably earn you a million dollars each. Now, do you want the phone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like who doesn't want those contacts, right? <laughs> but yeah, I see what you're saying. And then what are you willing to give in return? Maybe so, an arm. <laughs> so this becomes a very fascinating thing in the construction of value. Right. And so I think this, when we're, when we, when you think of, Hey, I'm investing and this is where a difference between a coach and a therapist in some ways is, is, is one of the dilemmas that we as coaches go through is you have a problem, you want a result and you have a limited period of time. If I get you that limited period of time within three weeks or four weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is, well, I want to make sure you're no longer relying on me. Right. I want to make sure you produce a result. You've got your tools. You can replicate in your own life. You know what the cost of imp implementing is. You know what the cost of not implementing is, but here's your toolbox. Well, guess what? After that, I don't get paid, 
Moran is a coach. So that's why coaches charge a lot, right? They'll be like, hey, I'm going to, because they also have to pay their own taxes and have to pay their own everything, you know? And so along in, in the space of results, healing happens. Whereas in, in, in other spaces, and again, I, this is just from my personal eye voice experience, okay? I mean, like total respect to all the therapists out there. But at least when I talk to therapists that I know, it's like someone has to come in with a self-diagnosed issue. I'm depressed. So, or I have anxiety. So the approach is different. Does that make no, sense? Definitely. Yeah, and no, so, the, I, I, I think it's more of like the healthcare system also kind of tapping into it because it's almost like if you go to like a psychiatrist, you almost need like a evaluation to see them, right? Because some psychiatrists have like, you know, just in general, or if you want to, you know, go to a therapist, you need to have like some kind of paperwork saying like you have an anxiety disorder, panic, uh, panic and anxiety disorder, or some kind of OCD or something, you know, ADHD. So no, I totally, totally get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree when it comes to when it comes to that. So I guess a coach, anyone can really have, and there's no real uh, diagnosis you need really. It's just more so of like that one-on-one relationship, right? And I, I, and you kind of assess where you are in life. Correct. And also like they're, you know, what they're about, their style, you know, there's, if they have any credentials, things like that, you know, to get into the past. So coherence coaching is the name of my business. You know, we just kind of do coaching, um, performance coaching or any kind of coach that you want to be. Life coach. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of, I mean, and this is the beauty of also one thing for those of you who are aspiring coaches or who want to, so there's coaching and helping people. Then there's the business of helping people and two very different things (laughs) can make ice cream and give it away and do seva seva work, but you're going to make a business of selling ice cream, different thing. So just make sure you have those two things separate and like, what is your passion? You know, and then and starting with that passion of really wanting to serve others, your mess is your message. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be perfect, but if you can be able to name the journey that you've been on and be able to share at least three steps, give someone three steps more, you know, your younger self than where they are, that's kind of, you know, that's part of the, that's kind of all you really need, really. <laughs> you know, and just keep no, being. Definitely. Just- just be a kid again, right? So, um, so there's a quote by Tony Robbins that you have, and it's funny because you mentioned him a little, uh, once or twice already on the podcast. But it's called the power of positive thinking. Uh, is the ability to generate a feeling of certain certainty in yourself when nothing in the environment supports you? Um, so it's almost like gen- when you have positive thinking, you also have assurance of, of who you are, and there's some level of confidence or knowing or belonging that comes with that is the way I interpreted it. Um, so what in, unique insights do you have into the power of coaching? Um, do you, or yeah, like what unique insights do you have from just coaching or, you know, just what you've learned, you know? Yeah, um, great question, great question. Um, one is with coaching is the more that I've worked with people, I realize how, freaking amazing everyone is <laughs> like to be honest you know regardless of like the whatever clothes they're wearing regardless of i remember once i was coaching a, uh, a vp of pepsico maybe if I was, goes to paris to get his suits 
sewn by wow. a private tailor. The dude pays was paying $7,000 for a suit. This is eight years ago, right? Hadn't spoken to his daughter in 15 years. You know, was feeling stuck why he wasn't able to find love in his life. Probably a 49-year-old, right? I think in that, at that time. Wasn't able to find love in his life and been estranged from his daughter. Now, it's so wow. interesting because as a coach, mm -hmm. you have coaches, right? And that's the other thing is a coach or someone who's really in their work is investing in their own environment. You know, whatever they're wow. charging someone is probably there. It's probably like they're taking it and they're like paying another coach to take them to the next level. And this is part of their training and development. So it was really wild when I, when we worked together, because because I told him, I said, hey, man, I'm no sage from the stage, bro. Like, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're obviously a lot more accomplished than I am. What I can do is hold space for you to share everything there is that's in your heart that you didn't get a chance to say or share, you know, and I can guide you here to there and hold you accountable, you know, and now he's a very high performing person, right? Remember someone who's in a very high performing person or role for them to ask for help or for them to, you know, find a therapist, they, it's, they have to create a very confidential space. You know, what if it gets out in the company? Oh yeah. Umang, like the CEO is like, you know, he's depressed, crying in the bathroom stall. Like, that's not going to make you look good, right? You're going to do whatever you can to keep that together. So anyway, sharing that. Um, so that's one is that everybody's so human is what I've gotten out of it. The other piece, and I'll pause after this piece, is that I think there's an, I think there's a, also a, There's a value to this mental health conversation that's obviously so and so, so, so important. Underneath that though, I'm realizing there's also your emotional body and your energetic body. And if we don't deal with the emotional body and the energetic body, you, you were just dealing with the symptoms of mental unease. You know, and so there's this, I think, huge opportunity now when we're thinking about trauma to be able to create safe spaces for emotional expression. And I think that's kind of this key that I, working with clients um, on their performance aspect and also on their financial aspect, because money is such a touchy thing. You know, people who have so much emotional charge around money, it's the emotional stuff. And the other last thing I'll say about that is it has its own vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> emotions have their own dictionary of words, which are different from good or bad, or I like you, I don't like you, you know? And I think we need to, it's important for us to kind of learn that and help each other learn that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it, Parth. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I totally get like from a human standpoint, there's just so much that comes with coaching. So I totally get where you're coming from. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you want to share on the podcast? Um, I think I'm uh, getting a call from work right now. Got to got to wrap up, but I definitely would like you like to have you on for uh, part two for sure. Uh, but I think we covered some great material as what, when it comes to coherence coaching, hypnotherapy. Um, and the last thing I would like to add is uh, before I go, I want, I know you wanted to answer this question. So uh, feel free to answer it. But um, what are the three easy ways to go from scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset before we uh, end this podcast? Because I definitely, I know you really were excited to talk about this question. So I want to give it to you before I, I leave with uh, my, my presence. 
Very cool. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'll lay it up for everyone as a generality and we can cover the, the actual how to's maybe in our next session, but I'm now noticing after working with probably about a thousand adults and about 180 something teenagers in the last like over 10 years has been, it's three elements. When you're restoring your relationship with yourself, when you restore your relationship with others and restore our relationship with the world, we go from scarcity to abundance. Right. So when we, so what is a restoring relationship with ourself look like in some ways, forgiveness, completion, integrity, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but just stay on top of the two, those two do's communicating completion. Right. And then there's a couple other things. Um, restoring faith in others is being in learning spaces where we can practice leading into conflict. And what are the ways that we can utilize conflict as a healing tool you know we don't often even quite know that because hey you said something i said something i'm judging you based on some notion i have and now i'm reacting to you based on a projection of your projection now we're lost <laughs> you know and so how this how do we heal this relationship with others that the world is safe people do have our back and our relationship with with god you know or with the world you know or masculine or i don't say masculine but structures and systems you know, right now we're going through a huge crisis. Like there's a loss in structures and systems, the banking system, the crypto system, the, all of this, right? So how do we restore our faith in the world? And the last thing I'll say is, uh, and I really, this is a, a huge credit to one of my mentors. He said, you know, Parth, the world has a lot of leaders, a lot of people telling other people what to do and a lot of followers. But what if you could look at what the world is missing and be a good model for it? Like, what if you could just model that, you know, you find others who are like wanting to model that, like th the world is one. <laughs> yeah, it's an abundance. The world has so many different, uh, differences, but I feel like we all want the same thing. Right. So, you know, but, uh, no, I, I really appreciate this and sorry to cut you off. I'm just getting so many uh, messages from, you know, just work stuff, but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Parth. And I definitely want to follow up with you and have you on part two. So stay tuned. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Umang. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And go follow Parth at Coherence Coaching. He has a Law of Attraction uh, Summit coming out this Saturday. Well, the, and the summit is complete, but if you go to coherencecoaching.space slash connect, you can ask an expert. You can you know go on there. You can ask any question you want. Um, I'll do the best to answer it, at least get you a couple steps forward from where you are. And if I don't have it, then I know plenty of people who can support you in that too. So coherencecoaching.space slash connect. Awesome. And thank you for viewing, liking, subscribe to the Healthy End Podcast. Go follow us. Go follow Parth. Thank you so much. And again, have a great day. Bye. That's it.